0: Welcome, my friend, to another episode. Hey, before we get started, I want you to picture this. Your best caregiver self. What would it look like? Imagine living your caregiver journey with vitality and joy. It might seem like a distant dream right now, but you know what? It is entirely within your reach. When you craft a personalized path focused on quality care, And your well-being, the impossible becomes possible. That's what the Empowerful Caregiver School is all about. You'll receive daily video lessons, a robust journaling workbook packed with practical strategies and reflective questions guiding you towards growth and empowerment as a caregiver. Plus, you'll be part of a supportive community in our private Facebook group and join us for biweekly group coaching sessions. Let's rewrite your caregiver story together. Join Empowerful Caregiver School today and start thriving. Click on the link in the show notes or go right out to my website at KathyLvan.com forward slash Empowerful to learn. Okay, let's jump into to today's lesson. Well, hello there and welcome to the Thursday episode of the Caregiver Cup Podcast. I am Kathy. Again, I am so excited to share Thursday episodes with you. In this episode, I actually did a role reversal. I sat in the guest chair and was interviewed by Esther from the Rethinking Caregiver Cup podcast. She is an oncology nurse and entrepreneur trying to help caregivers learn about the world of caregiver, caregiving, and a friend from Norway that I had met in a core a digital course called B School. And it was really strange for me to sit in the opposite chair, but it was also very, very humbling and exciting. And we just had a great conversation. So she allowed me to share this in my podcast as well. Well, in Rethinking Caregiver podcast, Esther goes ahead and introduces her podcast like this. She says, a colon cancer diagnosis to a spouse is devastating. Facing it without a guy can be overwhelming. With less stress, you will be able to confidently step into the caregiver role. As a caregiver, you have a limited control over things that your loved one or thing, things like your loved one's condition, treatment, or prognosis. Rethinking Caregiving podcast guides caregivers of spouses getting cancer treatments as they step into the uncharted waters of caregiving. Would you like to be a happier caregiver? please join us. So her podcast is truly based on colon cancer patients. But I think by listening to this podcast, you're going to get some more insights, nuggets of information from both myself and Esther. So I was so honored and humbled to be interviewed by Esther. The interview, though, is a bit long, but stay with us until the end because there are dozens of golden nuggets that may help you. And then check out the link in the notes for some more resources, both from Esther and myself, in the notes. Hey, let me know your thoughts afterwards by dropping me a direct message or an email and sharing your insights with me. So without further ado, enjoy this episode.
1: Hello there, caregivers. Esther here on another episode of the Rethinking Caregiving podcast. On today's episode, we have a very special guest. I will let her introduce herself. We met a while ago. Is it a year ago, Kathy?
0: Yeah. Did we meet in uh, Digital Course Academy yes. or did we meet? I think we met through Digital Course Academy. Or B-School. Or B-School. Maybe yeah. it was B-School. Yeah. B-School B with Marie, Farley,
1: Marie yeah. Forleo. Yeah. Yes. So we met with Kathy. Uh, yeah, I met Kathy there or she met me there and we became friends and we talk on and off. We have this impression. Kathy is a uh, quote-unquote, former caregiver, ongoing caregiver, and she's a spouse caregiver. She's actually my ideal client. And I will let Cathy introduce herself and let the audience know what you do and, you know, tell us all the things.
0: Well, wonderful. Esther, it's so wonderful to be back talking to you again. We have this big pond in the middle of us, but it's so nice to connect with each other across countries. So and I think it's so it's so wonderful to be able to talk about our we have the same interests. We want to help caregivers. And I started my caregiving journey, it's almost exactly four years ago, when I found out after a call from my parents that my dad was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. His CAT scans results didn't look well. The doctors actually called him on a holiday weekend in the United States and said, you need to get in for a endoscopic treatment and we need to find out what is going on. And it was stage four pancreatic cancer. So I went into helping my parents and figuring out chemotherapy treatments. Right in the midst of that, two weeks later, my husband was diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So at one point, and this is when really the Everything clicked. one point, both of them were sitting in chemotherapy chairs across the aisle from each other in the clinic. That's when it really set home that, you know, cancer was going to be part of my caregiving journey. Um, fast forward to about eight months later, my dad lost his battle with uh, pancreatic cancer. But one of the beautiful things that happened is I got to spend the last 18 days of my dad's life with him, with my mom and my two siblings in his kind of cabin up in the northern part of, I live in Wisconsin in the United States, and so we got to spend the last 18 days with my dad. They were the hardest days of my life, but also the most beautiful days of my life. And then after that, I had to help my mom transition to her new normal, her new um, uh, life. And I helped her move her belongings back to the city that I live in and find a senior living apartment. And life seemed like it was going to settle down, Esther. And then all of a sudden, my husband's cancer morphed into Hodgkin's lymphoma. In later 2018, he found out he had Hodgkin's lymphoma. He's the most positive guy, optimistic, nothing really bothers him, but Hodgkin's lymphoma really took him down physically and mentally. It took him down, and he struggled for the, the six months of chemotherapy that he needed. I think it was maybe not quite six months, but it was six rounds of chemotherapy. And then after that, about six months later, he had knee replacement surgery. And I learned that I don't want to be a nurse. (laughs) I don't want to be a nurse changing dressings and helping with all of that. But I made it through. And then later then in 2020 was when the lights came for me that I wasn't taking care of myself as a caregiver. I was not. I was 30 pounds heavier than I was. I was on antidepressant uh, medications. I was not in a good space. And I started realizing that and need, knew I needed to take a change. And then this year now, I'm um, fighting another battle. My mom has lung cancer, radiation treatment for her, and now lupus has um, found her way, and she is really, really struggling. She's going to be 80 um, in about another month, but I don't. I, I There's a sixth sense in me that if we don't find her relief, she's going to suffer for a long time. So that's my journey. Um, outside of, of being a caregiver, I work full-time in a corporate job, um, and I also do, Esther, similar to what you do, I help working women, busy women, caregivers find uh, relief when it comes to their stress and their overwhelm. And I'm using my practices and my techniques to try to help other women find joy in the journey that they're living in. And so I do a podcast as well. And um, I am working on a digital course. So hopefully that gives you kind of my bio. (laughs) First of
1: all, your mom, I have seen her pictures on Facebook. She doesn't look 80. She doesn't. Yes. She looks top 70.
0: Well, it's kind of funny because no. when she was feeling well and when I was trying to transition into this better space for myself in 2020 and, or, mm-hmm. and even late 2019, we declared Sundays as Sunday fun day because we both needed something to look forward to and so we would do pottery one Sunday we would go to a museum another Sunday we would go for walks we would go to movies we figured out one thing to do every Sunday and i miss that so much now that she's sick but that's i think that helped her as well as it helped me yeah
1: yeah uh out there somewhere is somebody whose husband or wife was just diagnosed with a life-threatening cancer, what would you advise them to do? What words of advice would you give them?
0: Yeah, and when you first find out that your loved one has cancer or your loved one has a chronic disease, uh, first of all, I think about letting, don't hide those emotions. I think for me, I'm talking about my personal experience. Don't think like you have to shift into this Wonder Woman kind of shield. I think that's what I did As I just let it all just be inside of me. I think the most important thing for me was to be able to openly figure it out. If, if it was time to cry, it was time to cry. If it was time to try to ask questions, it was time to ask questions because you have to be present in whatever you're feeling right then and there. Um, and then from there, then once you can kind of settle on and accept it at that point, then for me, the next step would be if I would have did it the right way, Esther. If I would have did it the right way, next I would have said, "Okay, now what is this? What does this mean to me, and how should I tackle this, or how should I go forward?" That's kind of what I I've learned through my my kind of experiences.
1: Yeah, but Kathy, maybe I have never failed before. You know, we are different people. I have never been in tune with my emotions and where do I start and what are the dangers of not feeling? What happens if I don't feel, what happens if I like go, 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 go? What's I know. Then, and that's, yeah.
0: I know it, and that's, I think that's what women, and I'm just being biased here, but that, I think that's what women do or courageous women think they have to do is just kind of go through the emotions. And I think if that's where you're at right now, Just go with where you're at right now. But I think there's also for me some time where you have to go ahead and say, okay, is there an hour in the day where I can just sit with myself and think about it and think about where I'm at and start processing it? Because if you don't start processing it, eventually something's going to, for lack of a term, snap in you. And you're just going to, either fall over from exhaustion or you're going to you're going to end up like I did where I needed to go to my doctor because I was so severely depressed um I'm I'm proud to say now I'm not on anti-anxiety medicine anymore but I couldn't stop the panic and the anxiety in me and so I had to go ahead and reach out for help that way Yeah.
1: yeah true because uh I see that in my my day job. I see that most of the time. Like we were, we were discussing earlier before we started recording that there is this phase, like, you know, your spouse was recently diagnosed and you think you can do this. You yeah, you do. Know you think you, you, have, you can do this. You have this. You know you are going to beat this. You have to fight this. So, but we talked about it and you mentioned like it is it, like some kind of cycle. Can you elaborate on that?
0: Yeah. yeah and this has just come to me esther and i there's nothing that I can find right now out there in any like research books, but I feel like there's cycles or seasons of caregiving that first phase is where it's brand new to you, and you just kind of have to absorb it all and it's new and like you had said, you think you can do it all. Oh, I can do this, I can run my spouse to treatments. I can go ahead and do the ex, pull the extra weight around the house and you know clean clean and do the lawn work and do whatever has to be done. I can do it all. You think you're Wonder Woman or Superwoman or whatever, but then eventually, I think the second cycle is the key where you start realizing. I'm, I look at yourself in the mirror and you look at and like, oh my gosh, look at the bags underneath my eyes. I don't get a good night's sleep. I'm feeling burnt out. I'm stressed. I have, I'm, I'm emotional. I'm negative. All of those things happen. And you just realize that there might be things like you're so far behind. I, I, I talk about, I've talked about out in some of my podcasting, where I showed up for my hair appointment to get my hair colored and cut on the wrong day at the wrong time, and I waited in the waiting room, and, and the, my hairdresser came out and said, "You're not scheduled until tomorrow." And I've I've missed missed deadlines at my corporate job because I was just those were all signs that I was in this cycle of overwhelm. I was in this cycle of doing too much and I I was chasing my tail. So I think that's the second cycle or season. And then the third one is when you face reality. You have to go ahead and admit to yourself that you can't do it all. You can't do it all. You admit to yourself that these are the physical things that are happening to me. This is affecting my relationship with my loved one. And I am not healthy mentally or physically, and I have to make the change. And that's when kind of the light bulb moment goes on, or at least it did for me. And I had to admit that it's okay for me to go ahead and ask for help, or it's okay for me to go ahead and say no, or it's okay for me to go ahead and say, well, something's going to have to come off my plate, and what should that be?
1: Okay. Yeah. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, because you mentioned something there, it is time to, uh, for reality to kick in. When reality sets in, I can't do this. I can't do ABC, I need to go out and ask for help. Or, or there are some people who are very lucky that they already have people suggesting to help them, but they have been turning down the help. So it is time to take that help. In my job, I talk to some caregivers, and you know they they refuse the help. They they don't want the help, and I know some people who went like that. The whole caregiving—I don't want to say journey, but you get what I mean. They went in that non-stop mode, and they they broke down after the loved one had passed. I know I vividly remember somebody they broke down i have never seen anything like that this person came in and they had they had things that looked like boils Uh on the skin and at first the doctors thought it was sarcoma but on close examination they said no it was not sarcoma it was low immunity that had caused those boil looking things. And when they asked, like, this was a young person, they and are, they're not very old, they're young, they're healthy, they don't have any underlying diseases. And when the doctors asked around what really happened, you know, this, this is not supposed to happen. Like in today's world, it's not supposed to happen. And then they say they had been taking care of their loved one for around 18 months, nonstop. Day and night, they were not sleeping, they, they were going. And when they passed, the the loved one passed, that is when they really, quote unquote, relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. And they had to be admitted and they had those things and they had, I cannot so much on the, I don't know so much about blood tests, but I heard they had almost zero immunity and they had no cancer. They had no HIV AIDS. They had none of that, but it was the burnout. It was the non-stop going that had caused that.
0: Well, and I'll share another story with you. Um, my grandmother, so it's my mom's mom. She was very sick, and they ended up putting her into a nursing home. And my 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 mom and my my uncle Buddy and two other siblings were taking care of her on rotation 24-7. And then when they got into the nursing home, they were still playing their, their roles and they were taking care of her home and getting all of that done. Well, my grandma passed away. And the day after my grandma's funeral, my uncle Buddy passed away. And I truly believe to this day, he passed away because of caregiver burnout. Because of because there was tension between the kids, they weren't all getting along and how come so and so is not helping and all that kind of stuff. And so my motto has always been now is after I came to that realization, am I going to be proud of the person that I am now when caregiving is done? am I going to be healthy enough to lead a a normal life? And in in your situation, that that poor patient probably was so physically and emotionally exhausted from doing that 24-7. Yeah,
1: for a short 18 months. I, I, I can stand here and say a short 18 months, but it was probably not short for them, but that's what they said. And they had to be on medical leave and they had to get fluids and nutrition and all those things to get the immunity back up again. Mm. I actually saw studies, many, many studies, that show that caregivers die earlier. And Now we know why, yeah, they do. They die earlier, they have suicidal ideations, some commit suicide, they gain weight, They have insomnia, you know, all the things that are a recipe for quote unquote early death.
0: Yeah, because there's three. Yeah, yeah, there's three levels of caregiver overwhelm, you know, or caregiver stress. You have the normal, you have the stress. Yeah, but then eventually it turns into burnout, where you're talking about all those conditions, and then the fatigue, the compassion fatigue. You probably know this being in your field. The compassion fatigue is when it becomes alarming alarming where there's even thoughts of suicide and um, your your body physically is in the situation where your your patient was where they could no longer they could no longer take care of themselves
1: yes. oh, they yeah they couldn't yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah
1: so coffee uh spouse caregivers out there uh have like an ending to do lists I have to do this, I have to pick up medicine at the pharmacy, I have, I have, I have to, I have to, you know. Do you know or did you have any resources or tools that helped you do your quote-unquote job easier? Or have you eventually learned of those resources that you didn't know of then that you can share with our listeners?
0: Yeah. I, I need to find it for you. Um, mm-hmm. and I, we can put it in the notes, but yeah. let me in a nutshell, tell you what it is. I do have yeah. just my own little list of things that I do mm-hmm. from a, from a help perspective. I, I, I call these tools like automation to, um, asking for help. Um, so let me just explain some of the automation things. Mm-hmm. I, In 20, in early 2020, I started to think about everything that I needed to do, everything that I needed to get done, everything Mm -hmm. that was on a normal weeks program. And I looked at, was there anything that I could automate? Or was there anything that I could lessen the load? Like, could I go ahead and have things shipped to my home in a reoccurring basis? And in like a I don't know. I'm not sure about your area of the country, but like Target, we have a Target here or a retail store. Is there something that I could put on auto so I didn't have to remember to go get laundry soap or I didn't have to remember to get cleaning supplies? And so automate that, automate the bills, you know, think about all of those things that you could go ahead and do that you wouldn't have to remember to do all the time. Um, Grocery delivery versus going to the grocery store. Uh, grocery pickup. Twenty. The pandemic has been terrible, but it has allowed us to think outside of the box. Um, I also think about, you know, is there one meal a week that you don't cook? That you could have something delivered? Or is there people that are asking to help you? And you could say, you know what, I do have a you know, a meal train or a meal list. And if you want to be part of that, I would just love for you one to go ahead and bring over food for me because people want to help you. Um, And then on that list as well, I listed out all of the things that I do around the house, you know, everything from laundry to grocery shopping, to cutting the lawn. I'm in Wisconsin. So we have snow. I don't know if you have snow in Norway. Do you
1: please? This is the land,
0: of, this is like Elsa land. Frozen. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. All the snow removal, all of that. Yeah. And so at that point, then who could do that for me? I'm going to say no to that. We have wonderful neighbors that'll take care of the snow for us in the winter months. All we have to do is ask them. And I don't know, boy, men with their, their toys, they love to run these machines. And so if you ask somebody... And getting people to to cut the lawn for you, then I mean, simple things like, is there a neighbor that could do the lawn service for you or a a teenage boy that wants to make a little bit of extra money or donate their time? And so going through and thinking through what are things that could be done that potentially could be, I, I think of them as the D's, like the what decisions can you make to take that off of your plate? What can you delegate? You know, kind of thinking about those things and what can you do to go ahead and do that? I hope that helped. I'll have to research for you and get that for you, that resource. I know I have it out here.
1: Yeah. You for know, you. I, I was doing some research, looking around, and I found this wonderful website. They are a nonprofit, and all they do is, oh, sorry. I did something. They are a non-profit, and all they do is go around in the United States cleaning people's houses, cleaning houses of patients, of car- getting cancer yeah. treatments. They are called cleaning for a reason. I'll put them in the show notes. Okay. They they, yeah. they they are a non-profit, and they go around, and they are cleaning homes of cancer patients, like I said, free of charge. All you have yeah. to do is reach out. And, and there's, I,
0: mm, and yeah, there's and chauffeurs. then there's chauffeuring services, you yeah. know, taking transportation your boys, something. transportation services. Yeah. I yeah. know there are out there.
1: Yeah. And then I saw another website. They are called Small Miracle Foundation. They are a nonprofit as well. And they are, I think they are in Texas. I think they are in Texas and they have well trained dannies that will come and watch your children so you can go out and get nice. fresh air, take a few minutes for yourself, step away from all of it. They will come. They have trained nannies. They have testimonials on their website. They have, you know, they are legitimate yeah. nonprofit organization, and all you have to do is reach out if you live in Texas, right?
0: Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that it's important to go ahead and list out too, everything that potentially you need help with, because yeah. my husband goes once a, or he goes to the the YMCA gym by us. And there's a gentleman that comes every time that he does and he goes and works out at the gym because this is the hour of time where he has a nurse coming into his home, taking care of his wife. And so by going ahead and instead of staying there, he gets out of the house, he goes ahead and, works out or swims at the gym and then he comes home and he can go back to his normal functions but he talks about just an hour away you know makes the world of a difference to anyone that's going ahead and trying to just kind of get that breath in each and every day
1: yeah you talk about stepping away i have heard of people i know of people who felt guilty when they had to step away can you talk about that?
0: Well, I call it, I, I yeah, I call this, and I've I've adopted this respite care mindset over the last year or so, and how important it is. And you don't want to think about it as leaving your loved one. You want to think about it as a recharge. And I think you've talked about it on my podcast, Esther's. You need to recharge you need to just go ahead and give yourself a break a full time worker at a job takes a break they take a lunch break they take a a 15 minute break or whatever they they take time away so that they can physically be better or they can go ahead and rest their mind a little bit so that they can come back fresh and that's what you have to think about is can i afford to go ahead and take a break Maybe it's only a half hour a day right now because of your loved one's condition. Maybe it's an hour. But I know I think about it as what can you do to go ahead and recharge? And and what can you do? And then think about what you want to do during that time. Maybe it's just a walk around the block to get some fresh air. Or maybe it's I need to go ahead and, and get my dental checkup in. I need to go ahead and get my teeth cleaned. You you can't feel guilty for going ahead and re- recharging and, and refreshing. And as a matter of fact, I know my spouse would say to me, it's nice when you're gone. <laughs> if, if I call a friend over and say, hey... When he had his knee surgery, hey, can yeah. I you know can can I get away for an hour? Can I call your friend so and so and have him sit sit with you and maybe you guys have, you know, dinner together or maybe you guys have, you know, something. He's like, that was so fun. It was so refreshing to get away and mm-hmm. it's a break for both of them for yeah. both of us. Yeah, true. I wanna take a quick second to tell you about my brand new quiz. It's the What's Your Caregiver Style Quiz. This quiz is not your typical quiz where you answer a series of questions and you get a simple result or a sentence with your results. No siree. This quiz will take less than three minutes, but will give you tons and tons of valuable insights into your caregiver style, your caregiver behaviors, your tendencies, and how your styles impact your caregiving, and most importantly, you and your well-being. I know you will read these results and be able to identify your strengths and opportunities, your stress and burnout, and most importantly, getting you thinking about how you can figure out this challenging journey of caregiving. I so wish I had this when I first started my caregiving journey. I am super excited to get this into your hands or into your inbox. It's totally free. That's right, totally free. So you can get this quiz at kathylvan.com forward slash quiz and take it today and find out your caregiver style. Okay, let's dig back into today's episode.
1: What do you wish someone had told you in the beginning?
0: Well, that's a really good ask. I Mm -hmm. think... When people said to me at the very beginning, don't forget to take care of yourself. And, I'm, and I'm, I know it's a podcast, but I'm holding up my finger and people <laughs> would tell you that. And I would get defensive. I would get yeah. defensive. and like, what do you think? I'm, I'm committed to my husband 100%. But what I wish I would have did more, Esther, was have conversations with my loved one. Have conversations with him and said, My husband's name is Dennis, and said, Okay, we're going down this path now, and I know your care is the utmost important, most important. And I have to work, and we have all of these other responsibilities. I think my husband, Dennis, would have felt better if I would have said, Hey, can you take care of figuring out who's going to cut the lawn and who's going to do this. I know you can't do it, but you're the best person. You know what needs to be done. And if I would have gave him some of those things at the very beginning, I think it would have been easier because I thought I had to carry it all on my shoulders. I thought I was the one who had to do it all. That would be one thing. Um, I think the second thing for me is... I'm so obsessive. I'm I'm I'm, I'm such a control freak. That's my problem, Master. I'm a controller. (laughs) I just have to admit it. I want to control everything and I want to make sure everything is perfect. I think that I wish there would have been somebody to tell me, hey, Kathy, let's take a step back. You just found out you're a caregiver. Take a look at what a caregiver does. This is the stage you're in right now, or the season that you're in right now. This is where you're going to be if you don't take care of, if you don't start looking at some of these things. That's what I wish.
1: Um, that is very true. I, uh, we have an earlier episode on this podcast about the perfectionist caregiver, and you know what I found out. <laughs> It is the caregiver who gets worn out. Say it again. It's the caregiver who gets worn out with all the the crazy talk and, you know, trying to micromanage everybody. Yes. Yeah. You get worn out. Yes. And angry and, you know, everything. And every time you come from an angry space or like overwhelmed, you do not show up as the best self.
0: Here's my epiphany. Maybe we shouldn't be called caregivers. Maybe we should be called care managers or care leaders or care takers. Yeah, or care CEOs. Yeah. Because a CEO of a company doesn't do it all. No. You know, they yeah. They delegate, you know. They delegate. Yeah. It's right. Yeah. Yes.
1: I I keep seeing this thing over and over again. And I, I did some research, I read about it, the insurance part. Did did you have to deal with the insurance? How did you navigate that whole insurance thing? I know there's like insurance navigators. How does one get access to the navigator? What do they do? Did you you have to go through
0: that? Yeah, I I actually, right away, we had a wonderful nurse navigator. We had our own, I don't know, it's a special person that helped us through all of this. And right away, she assigned us to a financial advocate or a person that could help us. So I had to do that for my dad and for my husband. And so at one point, I'm like looking at insurance claims for my husband, looking at insurance claims for my my dad. It was a nightmare. And then my sister said, where can I help? What can I do to help? I handed her the insurance stuff. She handed it right back to me (sighs) because it is a full-time job. It is. I think what you have to do is you just have to keep thinking like that's a component of the job. And you have to really lean into the nurse navigators, even the doctors, and even the financial advocates and saying, yeah. What can I do? How can I do that to to help me? Because in addition to having the insurance and the cost, it's a financial burden as well on, on the family. Because usually what your loved one's not working or they're limiting, they're not working as much. And that can be a financial burden.
1: Yeah. And the oh. bills keep coming.
0: Yeah. The, the Dennis, Dennis and I, I sold my car. Yeah.
1: The bills I sold don't my stop.
0: car. Yeah. yeah, I sold my car to go ahead and pay for the out of pocket stuff and the stuff that we had broke my heart. Yeah. It broke my heart, but that's yeah. what I had to do. Yeah. But I know we accepted char- charity things and I know there's uh, there's organizations out there that have grants and stuff and our nurse navigator and financial advocate offered some things but you almost have to ask yeah you you have to ask to say okay we we we're, we're struggling or you know what grants are available at one point we had a Christmas tree delivered for the holidays for us um we did receive one donation for for us a small um, monetary donation it's hard to swallow but I look at it today now saying, when things are better for me, I'm going to donate to that charity. I'm going to donate to that cause so that I can help other people. I mean, in the hospital, I get a little little big with lotions and nail file and, you know, just some little lip gloss and stuff. That meant the world to me to go ahead and get something like that. And I think that's your first thing: is you have to kind of say, "This is a situation I'm in. I normally am not one person that would accept donations because I'm I'm fine, but I need help right now. Yeah. I need that help."
1: I think as human beings, it is it is can be difficult for us to accept when we we need help. It is you know I I don't know why it is wired in our DNA, but it is difficult for many people to reach that point to accept that I need help. Yeah.
0: But people want help. People want help.
1: Yeah. You also mentioned earlier, a while ago, that your sister came to you and asked, what can I do? Many people say that they get the classic, let me know when you need help. I think you have heard of that. And if somebody came to me or to you and said, what can I do to help? What? How do we deal with that situation? Yeah. Because because people say that. And if somebody came to me and said, let me know when you need help, then I don't tell them, then I go complaining. But they offered. So how how do we deal with that situation? I was,
0: yeah, I was that person that said people would come to me and say, say, you know, let me know if you need help. And I would say, oh, thank you. And I wouldn't. You have to come to the reality that you do need help. But then... People don't know how to help you if you don't tell them specifically what you need help with. And so I have I have a private Facebook group that I have. There's just a, a about 25 of us that kind of get together and we chat. And we talked about this to say we need to create ourselves a help list. What are the things that we need help with? And if it is... A gas card because I need to go every day for chemotherapy and our funds are low, then you need to say, yes, I have a, and if you're afraid to ask for help, have that list somewhere out on a file or in a, in a, a so you can send somebody a link if that makes you, it makes it a little bit easier. But think about what are the things that I need monetary help with? What are the things maybe I need Need. Maybe I need a meal or maybe I need somebody to just say a prayer for me or maybe I need somebody to come over and wash my windows because they haven't been washed in over a year, you know, so you need to go ahead and think about what they, those things are and then prepare yourself to be humble, and to be grateful after, because I think what happened to me is I started feeling guilty after. And I shouldn't feel guilty because the, the people that are trying to help you are so so willing to help and they want to help that all they want to hear is the words thank you or a hug or a, a wave out the window, you know, if they're out there raking the leaves in your yard.
1: Also, I would like to add something. Something I hear many people say is that, you know, ever since my husband or wife got sick with, with cancer, we've been going through treatments, and it's like our family and friends cut us off and we don't have any friends anymore. You know, I think you have heard of those stories. Yes. But I went on the other side. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. I asked somebody, a few people not even one person but a few people about that statement they made that people cut them off then I told them that you're busy right you're busy you have a job you have they have small children and you know you're busy and you have a six spouse people are afraid to come they yeah. are they don't know whether yeah. whether you're resting They don't know whether you want them to come in your home because we are different. Some people want to keep to themselves. Some people want company. And this person who wanted company. And I said, they don't know if you are home. They don't know whether you spent the night awake. You're just taking a nap to catch up. They don't know anything. So I think it is wrong for you to sit here and assume that they cut you off. Have you reached out and invited them over for coffee? You can even tell them that, you don't wish to talk about the disease. And yeah. I think, I think many people will respect that, right? But people go around saying you want to cut us off and all that, but are you open to them? Have you asked them to come over, right?
0: Yeah. Did you,
1: it, did you have something like
0: that? Yeah, a, cu- a couple things come to my mind is once I started learning to take that time away, mm-hmm. Sometimes I would just text that person to say, hey, I'm taking a walk today and hey, I want to just talk to you, but I don't want to talk about what's going on in my life. Tell me about what's happening with your kids or tell me some fun thing that you just did to get my mind off of it. So, But yeah, I think that people do kind of shy away, especially if you've said no to them. Because I've said no to people to say, I can't go with you today. It's just too hard for me. I'm too exhausted. And that's exactly what I needed to do. I needed to get away. And that's okay. Yeah. Once you start saying no, people will start staying away. So I think the big thing, maybe a tip for me is, think about checking in with with your friends on occasion. Because they would love to hear from you. Um, Another thing that I did for my... Um, Dennis, my husband, is I created a Facebook group so I wouldn't have to explain a private one that nobody saw but my but people I wanted. I didn't I hated having to explain every single time what was happening. I hated it. Somebody would say, what's happening? Well, can you give an update? you know, that kind of thing. I hated grabbing my phone and having to text all the time. And so I created an avenue where I just reported out once. And we gave updates out there one time and then people felt like they could stay connected. And then at it's that in the point, yes. yeah. yeah. And at that mm-hmm. point you could say, you know, you know, I really want to go ahead and do something or I, I really can't get to raking. Is anybody there? And it's kind of like a one place where people can come in and, and you're actually forming a community of support for yourself. Mm-hmm. But if that didn't come for me right away. It only came to me after I got beyond that, that overwhelm phase, yeah. you know, and, and that's where I would love, like you and I asked, we can tell people, start doing some of this ahead of time, because yeah. I may be able to help you.
1: Yeah. I have heard of people who appoint like a day in a week, a certain oh. period in a day for the updates. Then they go, then they, nice. they they set up like a WhatsApp group and they will write all the new stuff in there for everyone nice. to read and everyone to write back and forth in that specified period of time to avoid nice. overwhelm, to yes. avoid the dinging of the phone all the time. People yes. and and I think many of those people mean well. Yes. They, they they are not like just irritating or being annoying, but they mean well, but you have to. Also, find time for yourself. You don't have to be chained to your phone, updating everybody. So, they find a period in a day, a certain day in a week, where they update anybody who wants to know whatever is going on, right? Yes. Yes. Another caregiver told me they appointed a spokesperson in the family. Yeah. They appointed one person to update everybody who had questions, had to ask that person. Nice. Like one person yeah so the wife did not have to build the phone and talk and talk when she did not feel sure. yeah sure. i think you yeah i think the point here is to find whatever works for
0: you yeah. i yeah. think so too i yeah. think Go, so too yeah,
1: find whatever works for you and do things you know the way you want and there's no like standard there's no textbook
0: no i think yeah. so too there's yeah. everybody has a different way of of yeah. doing things and yeah. You know, and I think cultures are different, too. And, yeah. you know, some cultures are like, we're all going to band together and we're going to help each other. Yeah. And then some cultures are very much, you know, the women have to do it all. And if the women doesn't do it all, you're frowned upon.
1: I know. And
0: I've run into that a lot, too, where wow. I had one of my caregivers finally had to overcome that that guilt and that power and and she finally crossed over to the less overwhelmed bridge, yeah. which was really hard for her and really um, took her a lot of courage. But I, I'm so proud of her.
1: Yeah, Kathy. Some I have seen some research. I have not seen any research on Games, but I have seen some research that says that communication usually breaks down between spouses when one spouse is going through a life-threatening cancer. You know. Is, is this something you noticed or did you have any tips to avoid the breakdown or to improve the breakdown?
0: Um, I think for me, knowing my husband really well is mm-hmm. I knew when to have the communication and when not to have the communication. So you have to be aware of when they're too sick to communicate. Um, after that chemotherapy, those first two couple days, yeah, yeah, No, but you know when they're having good days and you know when it's good time to have the communication. And maybe it's the communication where they're feeling better and you're having a better dinner together or they're having, you know, you can start asking. But I've learned to ask versus saying, I've learned to ask open-ended questions versus going back to the basic communication 101. You know, you don't say, well, how come you didn't smile today? (laughs) How come you didn't... (laughs) How can you seem crabby today? Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have those type of conversations. You can say, tell me about what days of the week this week were good days. And how did you feel on those good days? And they'll tell you then they're bad days. Um, So I've learned to just kind of treat it differently. Um, When Dennis was having uh, in his Hodgkin's lymphoma, when he was really having a hard time and getting really down and getting really angry and moody, I said, you're not yourself anymore. I'm really concerned about you. And I, I said it on a good day. And, um, and I said, are you noticing things? Are you feeling this way? This is what I've been saying. So we had really good conversation. He's still mad at me, but um, and then at that point, I said, I think we need to talk to the doctor about this. And the, uh, we've had a really good oncologist. Like I said, he's going to have a new one this month. But we've had a really good oncologist wh- where he, they would ask my husband questions. He would ask my husband all the questions that he had. And then he would turn to me and said, Kathy, do you have any other questions? And I was like, oh, yes, because, you know, I would say, is this normal? I'm seeing this in him. And so that really helped us as well.
1: Yeah. That is a very big challenge. Very, very big challenge. I don't know. Some people say it is the steroids that makes them like that. I think it is. Yeah. Some people say it is the side effects of the chemo. Others say it is the quote-unquote reaction to the disease and everything that's unfolding and the regret, we don't know. I don't know, but it is maybe a combination of all those, but many caregivers go through that phase of their loved ones being angry at them and volatile and, you know, all that. And I think you had very good advice when you said we need to speak to somebody about this because you are already stressed And to add that on top of the stress, it can be really discouraging and debilitating and all that.
0: Yeah, even with my dad, he wouldn't speak. Yeah. He wouldn't talk to anybody. He was shut down Mm -hmm. at that point, too. And so you would just try to go ahead and talk to them and try to go ahead and share things with them. But then at one point, you just have to go ahead and just accept that it's not really them speaking and you have to look internally at yourself. What can you mm-hmm. do to release that? You know, can you do affirmations? Can you do gratitude? I think that's why when you're dealing with those types of situation, that respite care or that time away is more, even more important because yeah. if you stay in, to, stay in that space too long, it can get the better of you yeah. and really break you down.
1: Yeah, I know, and it is not easy when you have small children,
0: right? Yeah, that's you true.
1: Have, yeah, you have to meet the, the children's children's needs. You have to meet them where they are in this situation. Then you have a husband or a wife on top of that. I think it is a recipe for yeah, it is of, yeah, and, and that's
0: where of, I think that help is. You like you had said, reaching out for help to say this yeah. is a situation that I'm mm-hmm.
1: in. Yeah, and one thing I advise the caregivers i know not everybody believes in therapy and that's okay but i advise them to seek those services as early as possible so they can learn strategies and tools on how to deal with whatever it is that is thrown at them so they have like a, a kit yes yeah they have like a kit to help them deal with whatever it is that is getting thrown at them instead of waiting like midway, and, you know, you don't know where to start. Everything has piled up. And, you know, yeah, so it is, I always advocate for that. Start as early as possible to get help. If you do not know where to go, the place where your loved one gets their treatment, they know somebody who will help you. They know maybe they have that, that somebody, or if they do not have, they know somebody who. Yes, you, the spouse, and the patient, and the children.
0: Yes, and And you know what? I think being new at caregiving, it just kind of came to me. Mm -hmm. I think what you need to do is look at your contact list, and one of the very first things that you need to do is put down who your contacts are, who are your main go-tos, your nurse navigator or whoever that contact is, your advisors, your doctors, because in any given time, you want to be able to connect with them and saying, okay, this is happening with me because what happened to me is I might the next day talk myself out of it and saying, Oh, it wasn't that bad. It's never going to happen again. And all of a sudden it just becomes more and more and more and saying, Hey, can we put this on our agenda to talk about at our next visit? This is what I'm experiencing right now. And so they have it in their notes so that they can come back and talk to you and talk to the family about it.
1: Yeah. Uh one more thing I would like to ask to go through, Kathy, is I I know somebody who uh, they talked about their experience as a spousal caregiver. And this particular couple was very into dancing. They used to go dancing with this the husband and time came and dancing was a very big part of them and this what this couple did is they did not stop dancing but they stopped going out because of his immunity and all that and they got the dust in the home at every chance they got every time he, the, the other spouse felt in good spirits they danced and danced and this person told me that they remember the last dance they had i think oh. it was in their kitchen they were dancing and this other spouse was crying because they could feel this was the last time. So when somebody is going through life-threatening illness like cancer, it is easy to put, quote-unquote, their life on the side and focus on this cancer thing. But at the same time, this is the life they have, if you understand what I mean this is the life you have now Mm -hmm. and if you put it aside you do not know whether you'll get another chance on life again so how can how did you did you did you go through this did you try to merge the the cancer caregiving and your life as a couple did you put it aside how did you navigate that part
0: well, once I came to the realization, I think the big thing for me was to embrace the little things, yeah. to embrace what we had. And I think you have to, I don't know what the advice really is, but it's, it's almost like you have to accept the journey that you're in and accept where you're at. Uh, I think for any spouse, you can think about things aren't going to be the same anymore. And that was the hardest thing for me to realize that my strong man that I relied on for everything now is weak and frail because of chemotherapy or even the intimacy isn't there anymore. They, you know, that you don't, you don't get what you, you usually have together. Your relationships are different, but you have to go ahead. When I finally realized that, you know, it's the little things, it's, oh my gosh, we're going to have dinner together tonight. Let's go ahead and do this. We would have dinner every night. Well, he can't sit and have dinner tonight with me. We can't go sit out on the patio tonight because he's not feeling well. But when you do have those little times together, you have to just embrace them and embrace them differently as well. So I think that's one thing that I had to learn and accept. Um, I can still remember sitting on New Year's Eve by myself on the couch feeling sorry for myself because it was New Year's and he was sleeping at 630 at night because of chemotherapy treatment. And I'm like, this isn't fun, you know, but you know what? New Year's Eve is just one night. The following day he was fine and we got to go ahead and have an afternoon of, of fun together. So I think I don't know. Esther, I think you just have to go ahead and look at each day and saying, hey, and 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 maybe set your expectations differently um, and embrace this journey of your life. Yeah, I think. Sorry, my dog's barking now. Um, I think by putting um, and not setting so high of expectations for the journey that you're in is better because. If it, like your couple, they love to dance. They found a different way to dance instead of going to a studio now. And I think it's it's different for your if you like to go out to a movie together and maybe you would have a date night that you used to go out for date night. Well maybe now the date night is in and maybe the date night has to be in the afternoon. You just find that you have to find a different way to mold your new normal, and you have to think about what is my new normal going to be. So that's kind of, you know, I think I I put some of my things that I had to reprioritize some things in my life. You know, you can't do the same things that you used to do. You know, maybe you used to hike together. Well, now your your loved one's in a wheelchair or you used to go on a family vacation together. Well, the family vacation may, may need to be a little bit different this time or you bring in an extra person that can go ahead and take the kids to the beach because you can't be at the beach and be at the beach house to take care of your family member, you know, or your loved one. Yeah. 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 It's Before hard. We go. That's, hard. that's a good question. Cause that's a hard one. It's it's, it keeps me thinking and thinking and thinking. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it is because I know I, I think even we who are not, Going through the cancer ourselves, it is easier for us to think that there's another life. Yeah, but we we don't know. We don't know anything about it. This is the life that we have.
0: Yes, and make the best of it. Yeah, little I think just embrace the little things. Yeah. I mean, the little things. Yeah. Um, my dad, when he was when he was in his last days, he on one of his last days, he got up. He wanted to walk to the kitchen sink where he could look out at the window and he had deer in his field by his place. And we were like, oh, dad, you really want to walk to the window? He goes, yes. Can you help me walk to the window? I'll never forget that ever in my entire life because it was a struggle. But his smile on his face and looking out the window meant the world to him. And it was a memory we'll always have. Yeah,
1: I remember I had one patient one time, one time, long time, and they wanted, they had like a cabin, they had a cabin by, not at the lake, but they could see the lake, and they told me they had one wish, they wanted to sit in a good chair and look through, they had like very long windows. They wanted to sit by a window and look through that window to the water. That is one thing they wanted. So they, they, if they say they wanted to die in that cabin, looking at that. That's where my
0: dad is. Yeah. We yeah. moved my dad's bed because we moved the bedroom around. We moved my dad's bed so he could face out the window in mm. his last few days, propped mm. up on his bed. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Is there anything you'd like to share? to somebody who just, like I said, somebody today, maybe yesterday, stepped into the uncharted waters of caregiving. Is there something we haven't covered that you would like to say?
0: There's a quote that I always quote from David Miller, and it says, you can do anything. You are strong. You are beautiful. You're wonderful. Being a caregiver, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. And if you do everything, you are going to burn out you are going to break down you are going to go ahead and miss out on maybe the most memorable years of your life you are you're doing a wonderful wonderful beautiful duty but just remember you have to you have to sustain it for a long time it's it, this journey is just probably not days it's probably not months it's probably years. And so you have to think about it as almost like a marathon runner. You have to go ahead and pace yourself and you have to go ahead and refuel your body and recharge because you want to be the best person for your, your spouse as you can and your family as you can. And so how do you do that to go ahead and keep yourself at an even keel? Kill. So just remember, you can do anything, but remember, you can't do everything.
1: You know what they say b- before the plane takes off? Put on your own oxygen mask first yep. before you help your infant child. Yes. Because if you pass out, you will not be able to help your infant child. Right. Yeah. Right. And that right. is something we, we don't even think about. No. But it has a very, very strong meaning, and it is very relatable To as a caregiver because remember what I told you about the phone?
0: Yes, got to charge it. You got (laughs) to recharge it. Yes. You can't use your iPhone
1: without battery life. You have to charge it before you use it.
0: Yes, and it needs charging often. Yeah. So, So,
1: Kathy, where can our listeners find you?
0: Yeah, you can find me. I have two avenues. I have a podcast called The Caregiver Cup. And so you can find me out on any of your devices. And then I also have a website. My name is spelt with a C, so it's com, And you can stop out at my website and look at my stories, my testimonials from my my group, and most importantly, my free resources for you.
1: And when we were starting, you mentioned a digital course for the Spouse Caregivers. Can you talk about that for a while? So they know where can they find you? Yeah. What is it
0: about? When absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. still in creation mode, but it's like really, really close to being it. So you're almost like the first group that's going to get the inside scoop. So, but my caregiver course will go ahead and talk about uh, really the, the the stages that a caregiver goes through, that cycle, it's going to go ahead and talk about what you do in your first stage, what you do in that overwhelmed stage, to how do you create this new normal, this new identity, this new reality. Once you realize that, you can't go on. And so um, that'll be coming out real soon. So if you go out to kathylvan.com, you'll see the banner coming across really soon and be able to keep in the know on that digital course. I'll do a free webinar before my free webinar is going to be the four shifts that I took to get to that new reality and what I had to do to get to that new reality. So
1: KathyL1.com, about- L- right? Kathy Yes. I'll put everything in the show notes. Everything we have mentioned today, the resources, I'll put them in the show notes for now. Wonderful. Yeah.
0: Wonderful. I am so glad we are both on the same type of mission with caregivers. Yeah. What do they say that there's millions and millions and millions, over forty five million caregivers in the United States? I can't even imagine what they are in the country. Every so, day
1: somebody becomes a caregiver every yes. single day yeah yes somebody becomes a okay caregiver. yes so and they need help and i'm so glad you are helping them you are sharing with them your story i think your story touches people keep sharing everybody go out to kathyelvan.com and see what kathy is creating she is sharing her story go out there check it out thank you so much kathy for coming over I know you have a very busy schedule and we are over time. I think we've been talking for an hour. We had to chat before. So thank you so much, Kathy. I really, really
0: appreciate it.
1: I I think you need to come back and promote that course once it's going.
0: Oh, I will. I'll gladly do that. I'll reach out to you.
1: Yeah, I think you need to come back.
0: And And you need to come back to the Caregiver Cup soon, too. I will, I will. I would love to have you come back. We we can kind of do kind of a reunion kind of thing. (laughs) <laughs> thank you so much, Kathy. Okay, you have a yeah, good thank one. Thank
1: everybody. Have a nice day. Bye.